all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, the show all about finding and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. I'm Dr. Debbie Miner, Professor and Vice Chair of Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and I'm pleased today to have with me Dr. Jim Hurt from Orthopedics at UMC and Tyler Grantham, our new pharmacy expert that's joining us today. Today we're going to be talking about orthopedics or our bones and anything related to injury or hopefully preventing injury and what you need to do, who you need to see, when you need to say so we'd love to hear from you please give us a call share any questions that you have or comments 1-877-MPB-RING that's 1-877-672-7464 or send us an email to healthy at mpbonline.org this is southern remedy healthy and fit from mpb think radio we'll be back with you right after the news Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. Dallas Police Chief David Brown says he has received death threats directed at him and his family in the aftermath of Thursday night's ambush that left five officers dead and several people, officers and civilians, wounded. Brown says police are taking all threats as credible, but he says his department remains committed to seeing through the work it started before the attack. This tragedy will not discourage us from continuing the pace of urgency in changing and reforming policing in America. Officials investigating last week's killing in Dallas are trying to piece together a picture of the shooter. NPR's Zena Temple Raston reports investigators found journals in the house the shooter shared with his mother. Officials close to the investigation say the journals they have discovered contain diagrams and information on combat tactics, and they suggest that the shooter, Micah Xavier Johnson, had bigger plans in mind. At this point, investigators believe Johnson decided at the last minute to target police at Thursday night's protest. Investigators also have Johnson's computer, and they're scouring that for any connections he might have had. They haven't ruled out that he had some accomplices or at least people who might have helped him indirectly. His mother's cooperating with authorities. Dina Temple Raston, NPR News. The bench trial of a fourth Baltimore police officer charged with Freddie Gray's death last year continues today. Lieutenant Brian Rice is the highest-ranking officer accused of manslaughter, assault, and reckless endangerment. Freddie Gray was a young black man who suffered a spinal injury while he was detained in back of a police van. He died a week later. Lieutenant Rice is among six officers, three white and three African-American, to stand trial. Two were acquitted. A third officer's trial ended in a hung jury. Vermont Senator and former presidential candidate Bernie Sanders is set to join Hillary Clinton for a rally in New Hampshire tomorrow. NPR's Tamara Keith reports Sanders is expected to endorse Clinton at the event. The Clinton and Sanders campaigns released identical announcements about the rally, saying the candidates will talk about their commitment to building an America that is stronger together, a Clinton campaign slogan, and an economy that works for everyone, not just those at the top, something that has been the animating issue for Sanders' campaign. Over the weekend, Sanders celebrated what he called the most progressive platform in Democratic Party history. 
negotiations over the platform, as well as new policy announcements from Clinton on college affordability and health care, have been key in moving Sanders towards tomorrow's expected endorsement. Tamara Keith, NPR News. Theresa May is poised to succeed British Prime Minister David Cameron to become only the second woman to serve in that role since the late Margaret Thatcher. Cameron says May's rival in the race, Andrea Leadsom, made the right decision to withdraw. Cameron announces resignation as British Prime Minister shortly after the UK voted to leave the European Union, which he strongly opposed. You're listening to NPR News. The Eurozone finance ministers are meeting in Brussels this day to review the post-Brexit economic landscape in Europe. NPR Saraya Sarhadi Nelson reports from Berlin the ministers will be looking at ways to stimulate economic growth. Talks with London aren't expected to begin before September, but finance ministers in the European Currency Union are already scrambling to deal with the aftermath of a U.K. departure. Many financial analysts say the weakest link in the eurozone is the Italian banking system, which is sitting on more than $400 billion in bad debts. Shares in many Italian banks slumped by more than 30 percent after the U.K. referendum. Meanwhile, most German managers polled by the German daily Die Welt are pushing for a, quote, two-speed EU that would allow stronger economic countries in the bloc to make important financial decisions for all of Europe. Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, NPR News, Berlin. Volkswagen has announced that it will repay two loans earlier than planned, totaling 975 million euros. The embattled automaker says it wants to, quote, diffuse the public debate amid investigations into its emissions cheating software. It says there is no direct connection between the loans from the European Investment Bank and the scandal. Starbuck has announced that it plans to increase the bay pace of all of its employees and store managers and stores in the United States by 5% at least on October 3rd. CEO Howard Schultz says the amount of the raise will be determined by market factors and geographic factors as well. U.S. stocks higher. The Dow is up 110 points. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include visiting angels, professional caregivers assisting adults in bathing, dressing, meals, and lighthouse work nationwide. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Office locations are at visitingangels.com. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Debbie Miner from the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and I am very pleased today to have with us Dr. James or Jim Hurt, an assistant professor of medicine, orthopedic surgery at UMC. Dr. Hurt is a Clinton native and an Alabama graduate, I just discovered. That's correct. <laughs> 
And uh, Tyler Grantham, our new pharmacy expert. Tyler's doing a rotation with us in uh, internal medicine at UMC. So glad to have him with us. So, I, you know, I had the pleasure of, um, it was just so much fun, I just have to mention it. So Mississippi Kidney Foundation had a wonderful, wonderful event. And it was for people all over the place. We had some people come in from other states, but a huge birthday party for all of us that have just turned 60 or turning 60. So we had Clinton grads, Murrah grads, a bunch of our Millsaps people that came back for it. And the, um, the, the, um, the Blues Boys were there and the Spinners. And I looked around and I thought, well, you know, this is great. We should do this every year. So, you know, have a 61, 62, 63 birthday and we all we all talked about our ailments too i guess that's part of it <laughs> yeah uh, there's no doubt so <laughs> and for any of our listeners they all have heard me over the last year and a half or so talk about my orthopedic injuries so orthopedics is very near and dear to my health and that's my major health problem is my little surgeries and bone breaks and things i've had yeah, no, I, I kind of jokingly tell patients that uh, if your knee or shoulder is not hurting now, it, it will at some yeah. point. So almost everyone, uh, uh, usually against their will, has to go see the orthopedic surgeon at some yes, point. Yes, yes, yes. It's terrible when your main source of health care is orthopedics. Oh, no, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so Clinton, gr- Clinton to Alabama. Yeah, Clinton Arrows. Uh, graduated from there, went to Alabama for undergrad, then uh, UAB medical school. Mm -hmm. I graduated with my wife from both Alabama and UAB and trained in orthopedics down at Tulane in New Orleans uh, and then did a fellowship in sports medicine here in Jackson at Mississippi Sports Medicine and then have been working up in North Carolina for the past three years in private practice uh, doing sports medicine and kind of general orthopedics and a spot uh, became available here and this is home and we were uh, real excited to kind of jump on that opportunity and come back home. Oh, we so, are so glad y'all are back in yeah, Mississippi. Uh, we're thrilled. Absolutely mm. thrilled. And Tyler is from Madison, so Great. we're glad he's here <laughs> with us. And he uh, graduates in May, next May, with his doctorate in pharmacy. So we're thrilled to have him with us here today. Thank you. So in, in thinking about, you know, I mean, goodness, I just have to confess, I'm, I'm, I've, I've had the knee operated on, and I've had... A the arm operated on, and uh, I've had several other little injuries that I, I love. I love to say Tyler and I were talking about injuries, uh, and you know, I wish it was some wonderful story that I was out and jogging and I fell and hurt myself. But it's usually something like I'm walking across the UMC campus. Yeah, and, no, it's and just totally unpredictable. Yeah, that's it's funny because. Uh, in very young patients, you know, like your teenagers, high school kids, tra- trauma that uh, um, that they they endure tends to be very high energy. So a, a bad football tackle, something uh, something that tends to be a little worse. But as we certainly as we get older, the the mechanism of injury becomes less and less. It can be just something as simple as I squatted down and twisted oh, my knee a little bit, right, or was just walking and doing some other things. So. Oh, that's sad. It does change as we get older, that's for sure. Well, how do you know? How do you know um, when you hurt yourself? I, I, I usually kind of push things to the limit. And, uh, of course, Trip Provence that you work with up yeah. there. I mm-hmm. love Trip. But uh, it, it kind of, I'm sad to say, but I've had, you know, text him or something and said, okay, Trip, I think it's broken. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he'll say, well, yeah, yeah, you probably best come in. <laughs> but sometimes you just don't know. Like I fell, I fell recently um, again, and I thought, ooh, I don't know if this arm's broken or not, honestly, because it was it was pretty painful and all that. But I decided I'd just wait a while. Sure. So, so how do you know when you really you have an injury that that needs to be acutely seen versus something you can just wait? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, so really, two types of injuries, right? There's one where there's a mechanism. You either fell or in mm-hmm. a car wreck. Something happened that caused the injury. You know, but. And then the other the other side of that is just pain, right? So everyone has a ache or a pain, whether it's in their knee, their foot, their shoulder. Um, those things you can tend to watch mm-hmm. for a little while, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, uh, if it's just hurting, right? If there hasn't been a mechanism where you have injured it. Um, the things that you definitely want to get checked up, whether that's with your primary care physician or whether an orthopedist is typically if there's a true injury. So if you've fallen down, um, you know, you've been in a car wreck, something else has happened. And, um, and there are a couple of things that would maybe direct you towards, towards going to the doctor. So, uh, if you have loss of function, so loss of motion, uh, weakness, Um, there's a deformity, you know, your finger, your wrist, your arm, something Mm -hmm. like that. If you can't walk, if you can't bear weight on your lower extremities, those are the things that, uh, you know, you might could wait a day or two, but if they're not getting better, you should probably go get them checked out. Well, you've already mentioned the age differences and and how people present or or some of the the types of injuries and things. So are are there different what you call risk factors for for orthopedic problems in in different age groups? Oh, abs- absolutely. So younger people tend to have very high energy trauma. They tend to be involved in uh activities that are riskier, right? So kids play football, basketball, soccer, these sports that uh that can cause pretty high injuries. They tend to drive faster. They participate in uh kind of higher risk activities maybe drinking and other things that could lead to car wrecks and other type accidents. And as we get older, a lot of that tends to maybe slow down a little bit. We don't play sports as much. We're not involved in as many activities that could lead to these injuries. And so, um, yeah, so the mechanism certainly changes over time. So younger people tend to have more higher velocity, kind of higher energy trauma that sometimes is a little worse. And as we get older, uh, the worst things can sometimes come from accidents that aren't quite as bad. So uh, bones change over time and they just become a little more fragile, a little more brittle as we get older. Well, if you think about it, um, well, I'll ask that question. We'll go to one of our callers on the line first because I could ask bone questions all day long. Let's go to Frank and Jackson. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Good morning. Two things. Okay. I'd like to thank you so much for this show. Well, Uh, you are so welcome. Thank you for listening. I've been involved in the medical uh, industrial complex for about 10 years now, and uh, everybody I deal with on the professional side, the specialists, are very good at what they do. They answer your questions, but they don't provide the narratives that you guys provide. Uh, And it it, it really uh, kind of ties everything together because the cancer specialist is primarily concerned about the cancer and your orthopedist, he's concerned about the, you know, the bones, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, they feel that they're doing their job in their little universe. They're happy. And if you have another problem, go to the emergency room. But I do uh, appreciate what you guys do. There is another way of having bone issues. Uh, I have multiple myeloma. 
And I discovered I had that because I had this back pain, which I thought I had done because I was doing superpower push-ups. And every time I would sneeze, it was like my heart exploded from my chest. Um, so finally at church, they told me, uh, Brother Mickens, you're scaring the kids. You need to go to the doctor. So I went to the sports clinic because I thought, you know, I just hurt a bone. And they said, no, you need to get a referral. I went to a, a back specialist, and he took a picture with his $25 x-ray machine, and he said, you know, I don't see anything, uh, but I kept having this pain. So I finally went to M, uh, MEA Clinic, and they gave me, a, you know, blood test, and they did a little physical tap your knee and stand up straight, et cetera, et cetera, and they said they didn't see anything. So my wife said, give him a full blood test. And they said, well, that's going to be, you know, four or $500. She said, give him the blood test. I get a call late at night, and they say, you have too much calcium in your blood. And it seems that is one of the uh, symptoms of my condition is that the cancer uh, having too many plasma cells leaches calcium from your blood, and I was developing lesions in my spine and developing microfractures. So uh, that is another thing that you might want to tell your patients, that it doesn't have to be a physical trauma it doesn't have to be a pain, but getting a complete blood test is very, very, very important because that calcium number being so high, it was like 1,500 times higher than it should have been, uh, was a real marker, and they put me in the hospital immediately and started stabilizing those bones. Mm -hmm. So okay. please don't forget to tell people that um, there are some cancers that, that – uh, you can find out because of things you get from your blood test, and especially, uh, uh, you know, calcium. And several prominent people have been diagnosed with this, this condition, and uh, this doesn't be in a lookout. But don't let anybody dissuade you from getting a blood, blood, complete blood count and all the other ancillary blood tests that you might get. I think those again, are wonderful so points. Thank you, Frank. Those are wonderful, wonderful points, and they bring up – the, the issue of assessments and evaluation and collaborations and looking at the whole picture. Absolutely. You know, there are uh, there are certain conditions that really span multiple different areas in medicine, this certainly being one of them. And from an orthopedic standpoint, it, uh, bone lesions are, are a fairly rare thing that we see, but certainly in cancer we do uh, see bone lesions at time, and oftentimes it's pain that's a presenting factor, right? So um, oftentimes these will show up on x-rays, so it's important to uh, to get a good history, a good evaluation, to, to get x-rays and to see uh, see if you see things. And, and then if things don't show up like they didn't in Frank's case, then mm -hmm. to certainly to do blood work and to, to continue to look. So, yeah. uh, But oftentimes with, with multiple myeloma and some of these things, yeah, the mm -hmm. first presenting factor is mm -hmm. sometimes a fracture. Mm -hmm. So they have done something very minor and they show up with a fracture and it's, it's through a lesion, through a kind of a soft area. Uh, in the bone where that lesion is. So. Well, that's a, that was an excellent, Definitely. excellent example. I hope you continue, or hope you do well, uh, Frank, and it just brings up the point. And and, um, and I hear my music coming on, so Sam says that's taking a break. But I know I had a family member with osteosarcoma, and it just before the week before diagnosis, 
complete blood work. Everything yep. in the whole wide world, a geriatric panel, actually, and everything's completely normal. Yep. And then all of a sudden, that cancer starts growing out of that bone. Just amazing. Mm. So we need to take a quick break. We'd love to hear from you uh, after we return with any, anything related to orthopedics. We've got Dr. Jim Hurt with us. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or send us an email at healthy at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, and we'll be back right after this break. Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art's presentation of When Modern Was Contemporary, works by 52 modern masters. Selections from the Roy R. Newberger Collection, the latest in the Annie Laurie Swaim Heron Memorial Exhibition Series. Details at msmuseumart.org. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. On this week's Relatively Speaking, we're discussing fetal alcohol spectrum disorders with Kathy Mitchell, president of the National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome. You might not be aware of the real impact that substance use during pregnancy can have on your child. Kathy will speak from firsthand experience on how it's affected her own life. Join us for Relatively Speaking Tuesday morning at 9 on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Owens, host of Southern Remedy for Women, here to warn you about an upcoming epidemic of license plate envy. Yes, it's coming after you see someone driving around with a new MPB car tag. It's the latest way you can support Mississippi Public Broadcasting continue the mission of educating, informing, and entertaining Mississippians. This epidemic is easily remedied by visiting mpbonline.org slash car tag to pre-order yours today. Everywhere you go in the online world, you leave a trail of data. Data about you that someone else can collect and sell to others. Because there are no online privacy laws in the United States, there's no stop sign. There's no go slow sign. The message is anything goes. A look at data brokers and the latest on the Dallas police shootings. Later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, the show all about finding and maintaining a healthy lifestyle, and no matter where you start from. So we're here today with Dr. Jim Hurt and Tyler Grantham, and we're talking about orthopedics, orthopedics, so issues related to your bones, issues related to injury, prevention, uh, how to how to think through whether you need to be seen or not. So we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Dr. Hurt, do you have any uh, suggestions for injury prevention related to, like, sports injury or everyday activities, say uh, running? Uh, oh, I, you know, I thought about that. I was out Saturday morning, and, of course, I hadn't been running regularly, but I figured I might get out and run seven miles. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I made it about 3.8, and I decided, hmm, not good. Because I, I started feeling a little dizzy, mm-hmm. a little sick at my stomach. I was just, it was miserably hot. This was close to 10, and I should have started at 6. Yep, the sun was already high in the sky yes. at that point in yes, time. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yes. So that's like a sports injury waiting to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So cer- certainly dehydration is a, is a factor in Mississippi in the in the summer heat. So uh staying hydrated is a is one of the key factors in preventing injuries. Uh and it's hard to do. So most people run kind of at a level of dehydration baseline and in, in this heat especially if you're outdoors working, running, playing, mm-hmm. uh something it's so important to stay hydrated. We see it so often especially as football season rolls around in August, uh, kids cramping on the field, um, just not being hydrated. And so we preach, preach, preach at these kids to to drink all throughout the day. And really, we should be doing that ourselves. So uh, staying hydrated, stretching, certainly before you run, um, you know, and then just a general level of fitness. So staying fit uh, is important. So, um, you know, if you're obviously a runner, uh, but if it's probably not a good idea for someone who's not running, to, to go out and run four, five, seven miles, you know, in this heat without the proper training yeah. prior to that. Yeah. Well, and I think the older you get, it takes longer to reacclimate. Or maybe I'm making up that mind. I, I haven't been running regularly, but just a little. But but it, that heat, I think you have to acclimate yourself. To it that does. Heat. It'll 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 just zap the energy. That's mm-hmm. for sure. And uh, and, and a lot of that's dehydration. So just staying hydrated or rehydrating, so will will help. Well, what about these kids? Like Tyler mentioned, these, and and did they? I guess this has been in the news, of course, in the past couple of years when we've had some some um, terrible, terrible situations where kids have have either overhydrated mm-hmm. or underhydrated and had injuries uh, related to that. But aren't they taking a lot more precautions now? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, so the you know athletic trainers are, are basically at almost every school mm-hmm. we have, and so doctors are, tend to be on the field at football games, but not necessarily at practice. But um, it, they are very much trained on paying attention to kids' symptoms. Um, there are um, you know certain signs and symptoms of dehydration and heat illness and heat stroke. And so uh, they're pretty attuned to that. And the coaches understand for the most part these days, it's, it's kind of like concussions. What they used to both with concussions and with, uh, with heat illness, that just, uh, it was a measure of how tough you were, right? Mm-hmm. Get back in, get back in, right. Get at it. We're not going to, mm-hmm. we're not taking a water break. And, and that those days are, are mostly gone at this point in time. So we're, we're a lot better at it, but certainly when it's a hundred degrees with a 120 degree heat index, uh, you know, oftentimes we're, they're canceling practices now or practicing earlier in the morning or later at night to try to avoid, uh, avoid some of these issues, uh, almost, com- almost impossible to completely avoid them, mm-hmm. you know, when it is that hot, but, um, you know, there, there's plenty of water and Gatorade and some of these electrolyte drinks that are available to the kids at most every school at this point in time. So we're certainly doing a better job, but, you know, perfection's the goal and preventing everything is the goal. That's hard to do, but certainly something we're striving to. Well, something we were talking about during the break and sometimes people will have, um, have symptoms and they'll intentionally try to hide those symptoms or or keep on keep on keep on known for various reasons oh absolutely you know that's why you have to have somebody else watching them yep 
So, you know, the teenage kids aren't necessarily going to tell you exactly what's going on. They either don't want to stop playing or don't want to get in trouble or don't want to uh, be viewed as weak, you know, or, or the peer pressure uh, to stay out there to continue playing or t- continue doing things. We see this oftentimes in uh, in, in training, certainly, and maybe in military training, where if you have to uh, have a medical absence, you have to restart training mm. and do some of these things. And so people don't want to, they don't want to have to repeat or they don't want to have to be viewed by their peers as someone who's weak or is not tough. And so, um, you know, I think it's education, right? It's just education and knowing, knowing when to stop and, um, and then preventing preventing it before it starts. Mm, so oh goodness. Yes. Kids, I'll, I'll think they're invincible. Sure do. <laughs> so a lot has changed in, in recent years. I know like on my side my side of the campus, as far as the way we think about bone health mm-hmm. and uh, some of the ways that we manage bone health as men and women get older. But do you have do you have suggestions or recommendations for maintaining bone health and, and when you should start? Yeah, that's a know, that's a fantastic I to my question. Thirty year old daughter. Yeah, so we oftentimes don't think about our bone health really until there's a problem already. So um in women oftentimes that's when postmenopausal uh age range and uh that the strongest a woman's bones and the thickest they're ever going to be is at the age of 29. Oh, my goodness. Right. So uh, they're going to build up bone strength until about that age, and then it's going to decrease throughout their lifetime. And so certainly uh, through the uh, the childbearing years with, uh, you know, uh, uh, babies, babies mm-hmm. get their bones from their moms, right? So all the calcium that the babies get in their bones comes from mom. Uh, breastfeeding will take calcium from you, and so you can you – can, uh, lose some bone strength and bone health from that. And so during that age uh, age range, uh, it's important to keep up with your calcium and vitamin D intake and uh, certain preventative measures. But really, it's it's at an age range that people aren't worried about it. They're yeah, worried about other things. Yeah. Right? It's, 29, my mm-hmm. goodness. <laughs> yep. So, and the same with men. So people... people uh, seem to be really concerned about women, right? And women falling down, breaking things. And men, honestly, if you look at the numbers, aren't much better. So as we get older, we certainly lose bone strength, bone density, and are much higher risk for falls and fractures and and things like that also. Well, we'd love to hear from you. Any comments or questions that you have, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send us an email at healthy at mpbonline.org. So, Dr. Hurt, so we mentioned 29. That's mm-hmm. the best it gets. So then after 29, what do you do? So do you, so you try to maintain. You, okay, so how do you maintain? So calcium, vitamin D intake, uh, regular exercise, uh, so maintaining a healthy diet uh, with fruits, vegetables, uh, high protein, um, lower in carbohydrates, and, uh, and staying active. So uh, bone grows with stress. So when you stress the bones, they actually will grow. And so uh, exercise, so things like running, swimming, uh, you know, uh, biking, things that are going to uh, keep you physically fit but are also going to give your bones some stress are actually going to prevent bone loss over time. Uh, and so then uh, making sure you're getting vitamins and minerals, you know, from vegetables and Sounds like the exact same thing we preach for cardiovascular health. <laughs> it is, really. It really crosses all the fields, I think. So a good healthy diet and, uh, and exercise really is important. So. so for bone health, cardiovascular health, cancer prevention, across the, you got uh, it. preserving your brain yep. across the board.
Absolutely. Same thing, those blueberries and everything else. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, um, oh, goodness, I just lost my train of thought. I was going to ask you something else about. Well, so you mentioned something about, like, bone. And in the context of that, sometimes you don't know whether it's, is it bone or is it muscle or is it tendon? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's, that's hard to, that's hard to differentiate sometimes just as a patient you know, I've had aches and pains and I wasn't sure a hundred percent what it was myself. And so, uh, bones tend to, you know, when, when Frank called earlier, he was having pain that was bone related. Mm -hmm. It is a mm -hmm. deep throbbing type pain that's hard to put your finger on. You can tell where it's located, but it doesn't necessarily hurt all the time when you push on it. Um, muscle and tendon tend to cause weakness or pain with function. So if you're you're moving your arm or you're lifting your arm and you have a rotator cuff tear, that's going to hurt, uh, or you're going to have weakness, uh, and pain with that. And so same thing with, uh, um, same thing with your lower extremities. If it's, if it's hurting when you're walking, you know, it's hard to know what it is, but the, the location and physical exam and sometimes x-rays, uh, will oftentimes give us as physicians an idea as to exactly what's going on. So, so, so it sounds like a lot of time that you, uh, someone may show up for orthopedic evaluation, but it's really not necessarily the bone that's oh, causing the problem. Yeah, all the all the time. So pain is pain, and pain mm -hmm. will certainly bring you to the doctor if it doesn't go away pretty quickly. And so, uh, yeah, that's uh, from an orthopedic standpoint, especially with sports medicine, I, we see broken bones all the time, but we also see ligament tears in the knee and the shoulder, uh, and tendon tears, and, uh, um, and and kind of all things you know, in the musculoskeletal system and all of them can cause pain. They can cause instability. So if you, if you tear a ligament like your ACL, you might have uh, looseness in your knee, uh, and that can cause pain. So, uh, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to tell just from the patient, mm -hmm. but, uh, but doing a physical examination, uh, you know, can oftentimes lead you to kind of decide and, and to know what's going on. Yeah. Mm. And some of the things you brought up earlier about how to, how to know whether it's something that needs right. to be seen acutely or whether you can give Absolutely. it a little bit of time. Well, let's go to Shirley on the line. Good morning, Shirley. How Good are morning. you? Hey, Shirley. Fine. I had a question about some shoulder issues. Yeah. Um, I had pain in my shoulder and, and have restricted uh, movement. I had an MRI done, and it shows bone spurs, um, bursitis, but it also said superior labral l-a-b-r-a-l recess mm -hmm. so what is that it said there was no tear yeah so, so that's is that is probably just a, a just a normal variant so uh there you can have kind of a superior labral recess which is basically one of the one of the ligaments in the top part of your shoulder is just it's a little different than average it's not a pathologic thing it's not necessarily a problem and probably the radiologist was just pointing that out and reading that uh, you know, so that the orthopedist or your primary care physician who ordered that mm -hmm. wouldn't look at it and think that was a tear. So, um, you know, now the bursitis and the tendonitis and the bone spurs are kind of in a different region of your shoulder. And, and those are oftentimes activity related, sometimes even injury related, but the, the superior labral recess is, is pretty normal. So that's probably not what the cause of your pain is and probably just something that the radiologist was reading and that uh, would have been seen by your, your doctor also. Okay. 
I just wanted to make sure I'm doing physical therapy and it's getting much better. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that would be the, so if, if I saw you in clinic, that's exactly what I would do. You know, maybe some anti-inflammatories, even consider a shot and then definitely physical therapy. And, mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, obviously I haven't examined you or seen your MRI, but that's, I would expect that to get much better. It is. It good, is, good. Um, I also had a question about using estrogen, um, mm-hmm. As you get older, for bone health, vaginal estrogen. Mm-hmm. So not not something that I'm a, a an expert in, but certainly uh, as as we get older, especially women, their estrogen levels decrease, and as estrogen levels decrease, so can uh, bone health or bone density. And so that's certainly something for you know a conversation to have with your your gynecologist or your primary care physician as far as whether it would be something. Uh, that you would want to start to help prevent sort of bone issues, um, and and it does, but it, it there's also some other risk factors that come along with estrogen replacement therapy. Yeah, you need. Yeah, talk to your doctor about that, Shirley, because the recommendations have changed a lot in recent years about estrogen. And I remember, goodness, I remember years and years ago, estrogen was the first line thing for like protecting our bones as we got to menopausal age as well as lots of other things and and now there are other other things other medications that are used and estrogen is not for most people first line therapy because of like dr hurt said some of the potential adverse effects so it's usually not first line for that at all there are other therapies for that and usually the recommendation is if you need estrogen for another primary reason that you use it for the shortest period of time, which would, of course, not be ineffective for bone health, and the shortest period of time to cover uh, maybe some of the hot flashes or vasomotor symptoms, and mm-hmm. then and then you would use something else if needed based on assessment assessment um, of your looking at your bones and the state mm-hmm. of your bones with your osteoporosis, osteopenia, or whatever, right. uh, there would be other other things that would be generally recommended. So that's definitely something to talk to your doctor about. But hopefully your shoulder's going to get better. I, I cannot personally say enough good things. Like Dr. Hurt said, he would refer to physical therapy. Honey, those physical therapists, I think we downplay the value of PT and OT, and they they can work wonders. Oh, absolutely. It is amazing. Absolutely. I always tell mm. patients that, you mm. know, I do the simple stuff, mm-hmm. and the physical therapists do the, the very complex stuff. Yeah. So I fix things, and then they make them better. Yes. So, yes. I, absolutely. I've had my little OT, PT friends on here before, and yes, Dr. Geisler does wonderful surgery. But you know what? Get that movement you act. You got to see these other people. That's right. Thank you for calling, Shirley. Uh, I hear our music, so that's Sam telling us we need to take another quick break. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. We're here today with Dr. Jim Hurt. And we're talking about orthopedics. So please join us when we return at one eight seven seven MPB Ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'd love to hear from you. and 27 years ago, the first U.S. president took office. Next year, the 45th will. Follow history in the making right here on this station. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. 
Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I was recently diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma. Those of you who've been listening to the news are probably totally confused about breast cancer and breast cancer screening. What choices exist to detect breast cancer? Is there a right way to fight it? The option that was presented to me by my surgeon was lumpectomy. Learn more in an MPB Southern Remedy documentary special, A Plan to Survive, Thursday night at 7 on MPB TV. Everywhere you go in the online world, you leave a trail of data, data about you that someone else can collect and sell to others. Because there are no online privacy laws in the United States, there's no stop sign. There's no go slow sign. The message is anything goes. A look at data brokers and the latest on the Dallas police shootings later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Debbie Miner. I'm here today with Dr. Jim Hurt and Tyler Grantham, and we're talking about orthopedics, anything related to our bones and our our bone health, et cetera. And so uh, we were we were just finished talking a little bit about uh, bones and how sometimes it's hard to know whether it's your bone or a muscle or a tendon, and where really to know that with uh that pain or what what part it's coming from what part is coming from but are there any sometimes obvious ways to know that it's one or the other like last time i broke my arm i mean i heard that thing crack <laughs> so i thought that is a bone i think this time <laughs> it is pretty clear that thing you could you heard, you heard it crack yeah so, so but then sometimes you just really don't know you just kind of weigh it out I've, I've had another break that i just kind of weighed it out and it's like they said why didn't you come i'm like well i kept thinking it was just going to get better right so it's hard get to tell better. it's hard to tell sometimes so if you break your arm and it's highly angulated you, yeah. you should probably go to the doctor but uh <laughs> but yeah other things there's a pop right and so that yeah, can be a ligament you don't know, and you right? think oh okay mm-hmm. i don't it's just not getting better i can't use it but it's not getting better right so but i keep you keep hoping it will yeah so with lower extremity trauma if there's a if there's a pop it's hard to tell sometimes mm-hmm. whether it's a fracture or a ligament um ligaments tend to hurt pretty bad acutely and then get a little bit better whereas Fractures tend to hurt maybe for an extended period of time. Uh, and ligaments, oftentimes you can put weight on them uh, if you tear a ligament. So with a bad ankle sprain or even a, a knee injury like an ACL tear, oftentimes pretty quickly within a day or two you can put some weight on it. Whereas with a fracture, oftentimes you just cannot physically mm-hmm. put weight on that. And so, uh, and the same thing sometimes with your upper extremity or your arms, uh, you know, a fall uh a fall on your arms where you catch yourself, 
the first thing that I'm going to think about usually is a break. If you hear a pop in your arm, uh, it's prob- something's probably broken. Whether and, and the wrist is pr- the most common area to break that. The wrist and the proximal humerus, which is up at the top of your shoulder. So, um, but but yeah, it's hard to know. But if certainly if there's a deformity, uh, if there's a wound, if you have a you know a bad cut, you know where you where you fell, it's probably worth getting checked out pretty quickly. Well, uh, I, we're going to go to Chris first, but then I have another question for you, too, that made me think about something. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. Good. Hey, Chris. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. I'm fine, except for the fact that when I wake up in the morning, it feels like somebody spent the night beating on my, the bottom of my feet with a stick. How long has that been going on? Oh, a couple of weeks. And it hurts worse when you first get out of bed, first couple Absolutely. of steps? Yeah. So. So probably, I, I see this all the time, and almost everyone gets this, most likely is plantar fasciitis. So okay. kind of an inflammation and tightening of the plantar fascia on the bottom of your foot, kind of from the, the heel bone to the ball of your feet. Um, tough to treat, uh, and it's something almost everyone gets, and no one, no one has a perfect answer as far as how to treat it. It's usually self-limiting, uh, usually gets better. Uh, over time, uh, the, the negative of that is sometimes that can be months. Uh, I had it really bad when I was a resident in New Orleans, and it lasted Ooh. about three or four months. Uh, I, like a typical doctor, I just ignored it and hoped it would go away, <laughs> uh, and it eventually did. So uh, the, really the mainstay of treatment for this would be anti-inflammatories, uh, so kind of like over-the-counter, Aleve, Motrin, Advil, Ibuprofen, and then stretching. So stretching your your heel cord, your calf, and kind of the, the foot. So you can put the ball of your feet on, on a step and, and, and really just stretch out the bottom of your feet. And you just want to do that as much as you can throughout the day, kind of all the time. Uh, there's a lot of different – if you Google plantar fasciitis, you're going to get a million hits on Google. Uh, <laughs> okay. and, and typically that's because there are a million different treatments and none of them are perfect. Uh, so there's not a there's not a perfect answer. Occasionally, in resistant cases that aren't getting better with stretching and anti-inflammatories, a shot. Uh, I, it, shots on the bottom of my feet make me queasy uh, to even think yeah. about because they hurt pretty bad. But usually, it doesn't result in that. And and then in rare rare circumstances, surgical intervention. But yeah, I would get I would aggressively stretch the bottom of your feet and kind of your heel cord. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, every day, just multiple times a day, sometimes a little ice. You can you can freeze a 20-ounce water bottle, and you can roll it on the bottom of your feet, so that gives you a little stretching, massage, and ice therapy, and then anti-inflammatories. That's certainly where I would start. So okay. this, is, this is what I hear is the voice of experience. I'm smiling because... I know he's had this himself. It hurts. It, <laughs> it hurts, hurts bad. It hurts yeah. terribly. And I, I, I will was say, actually looking for the uh, the prescription though that my feet needed to sit in the sand about two inches deep at Waikiki or something. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, that, there's that no helps. doubt. If you swing by the office, I'll get you a prescription. You can give it to your wife. Yeah, and stre- making those toes go up. So you don't want to curl your toes down. You want to stretch it out as far as possible. That's right. See, this is always the experience, too. And I'm right. going to say now, I tried everything I could find. I Googled and Googled and Googled. Now, what I have discovered is exercise does not make it worse. My husband's like, you're crazy. This is killing you. You can't walk. But, like, okay, running does not make it worse. Actually, it improves. But I'm going to tell you that taping, that if you if you Google taping your feet for it and it's like you just get that paper tape and you you across the bottom and then across the back. That I would sleep in that tape and then yeah. I wore it all through winter. In fact, in the spring, everybody left. They said, "What's on your feet?" And I'm like, well, "You didn't see it all winter because I had my tights on and my boots." That's what, how I take my feet, and it makes it bearable. 
Yeah, I may sound okay. crazy, but that helped me. And that's <laughs> so you're talking you're you're talking to us too. They've experienced this now, right? And that's a treatment uh, that you'll oftentimes see as night splints. So something mm-hmm. that keep when you when you keep sleep, you typically mm-hmm. point your toes down, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, that plantar fascia, your heel cord will tighten up at night when you're sleeping for six to eight hours. And, uh, and so if you can keep your foot or your toes kind of closer to your head and your foot pulled up with a little night splint, sometimes that helps. There are a million different ones out there. I don't know that one is necessarily better than the other, but, uh, uh, but yeah, the beach, the beach. Yeah, That's the where you should go. Yes, yes. Walk in that sand. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Oh, let's go to Archie in Hollandale. Good morning, Archie. How you doing this morning? We hey, are you? great. How are you? I'm. I'm. I'm I hope Mr. Hurt, Doctor Hurt, can help me, and I feel a whole lot better. Oh yeah, Doctor Hurt can ha- make you feel better. He, he's he's passing out prescriptions for where you need to go. That's right, <laughs> to the beach, Archie. All right, all right. I got a my left foot, the toe next to my big toe. Mm-hmm. It points down toward the earth when I walk. Okay. I believe I got a corn on it. Okay, is the corn kind of on the ball of your foot or on the toe itself? Oh, it's on the toe itself. Okay, so Dr. Hurt, yeah, it, it, I, ain't gonna, I don't really, I don't want to use the term the expression is killing me, but it's hurting me. It's hurting pretty bad. Yeah, it so real bad. So it, it started, it's been doing that for quite some time. And getting worse. Yes, sir. Yeah, so that's that is something, Archie. That it might might be worth getting checked out, getting an X ray, and seeing uh, seeing a foot and ankle specialist. Uh, occasionally, uh, over time with your toes, you can develop some little deformities, either a claw toe or, a, um, some other things where the toe will kind of hook up and then turn down and can lead to pressure points, uh, kind of on the bone that can cause these corns and they can be very, very painful. Uh, and sometimes it's as simple as just putting a little, um, putting a little pad in your shoe and that can take some of the pressure off the corn. Sometimes it's as complicated as needing a little surgery to correct that deformity to get the pressure off. Um, it tends to not be a big, bad surgery, but it's surgery nonetheless, not that anyone wants to have that, but, but yeah, that's probably something if it's been going on for a while, seems to be getting worse, uh, probably worth getting in to see, see a foot and ankle specialist to have that looked at and treated. Mm, good luck with that toe. I don't have one here. Where, can where? I get a, can I make? I mean, I'm down in Hollandale, Mississippi. Yeah, can we'd I love. Make an appointment to come. Can I make an appointment with you to come to your office? Ab- absolutely. So I, I've actually got a partner, Doctor Reed, who is a foot and ankle specialist. R E E D. She is great, and uh, you could always call up and make an appointment with her. She would be the one to see. That's for sure. What's the number if you have it, please? It is uh, area code six zero one nine eight four six five two five. Nine eight four. That's correct. Good luck to you, Archie. Get that toe seen about. Okay, have a good day. Let's go to Phil and Guppart. Good morning, Phil, and thank you so much for holding. Good morning. Hey, Phil. I've had a lifelong problem with my ankles. I'm 60 years old. Uh, When I get up in the morning, I can barely walk. It's been that way all my life. I'm extremely Mm flat-footed, and I've developed where my right foot turns outward. Okay. And and I, I went to the doctor and he actually pointed out that my foot is rolling uh, toward the center and I'm, it's almost like I'm standing on my tibia. Okay. Okay. He has recommended a triple orthodesis, mm-hmm. I think is what it's called. Yep. Looks like a pretty extensive uh, surgery. Have you had any luck with or seen any luck with that? Yeah, so so what you have is what's called pes plano valgus or flat feet, and it's it 
uh, sometimes it's just you're born with it, right? And then we also see uh, see flat feet that is progressive and gets worse in adults. And so that it sounds like maybe you have a component of both. But uh, as it gets worse and worse and worse, there tend to be four different types of, of flat feet. Uh, and almost all of them, if they are getting worse, need some sort of surgical intervention. Uh, and it sounds like if, if you were recommended a triple arthrodesis, that is basically the fusion of three bones in your foot. So it's three different fusions kind of at the back of your foot to correct uh, to correct the deformity and then prevent it from getting worse again over time. And so it sounds like you're probably at a grade three or grade four, which is kind of the worst of mm-hmm. the flat feet. And so um, it's, uh, uh, it can be something that can be very painful, like you described, but also uh, can be uh, functionally impairing. So it's hard to walk, it's hard to right. get around. And so, um, yeah, no, if that's something that has been recommended, it, it's probably something to look into, especially, you know, you're, you're young and it sounds like still active and like to do things. And uh, this will certainly prevent you from doing things without intervention because it tends to just become worse and worse and is okay. more progressive over time. Mm. All right, well, then we'll proceed with his recommendations. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, good luck to you, Phil. I know my brother-in-law, he had that done, and I think he put it off way, way too long, but he he just recovered remarkably from it, remarkably, and it's just improved his quality of life tremendously. Recovery period before it totally, you know, yeah, it's, so it's several months, several months. Mm-hmm. So typically you're going to be placed, your, your physician's going to place you in a cast for a couple of months. So a fusion, a triple arthrodesis, that basically is a triple fusion. So they fuse bones in the foot. And uh, so it's it's almost like having a fracture that needs to heal back together. So they'll All put right. screws or a plate across those two bones to hold them together. They'll actually grow. So three bones will grow together as one. And so that takes you know, eight to 12 weeks or so to heal. And so you'll probably be non-weight bearing. So either on crutches, a walker, sometimes a wheelchair in a cast for a while. So it's an extended recovery, uh, somewhere in the line of of six to 12 months to kind of back to normal, sometimes a little bit longer, sometimes a little less. And that would depend somewhat on the, the extent of what they would have to do to your foot. And then there again, how quickly you heal. But but then it's what we would say a new normal, a new normal, right? Absolutely, which would be wonderful. Hopefully, there's no reason to extend it. You know, until we all get done next year or the year after when it really gets bad. It's just going to get worse and worse. You're right. right. So, um, and it sounds like you're kind of at the end stage of it. But uh, you know what can happen is if you have other medical comorbidities and other things, you could start developing developing ulcers or other problems in your Mm -hmm. foot that might limit the ability to do surgery if you let it get too bad. And so, getting it taken care of would probably be a good thing. Okay, well, we wish you the best, Bill. Go on and get that assessed and get that done. So have a great day. Good morning, Joseph, and thank you so much for holding. Yes, ma'am. I got a question that probably has nothing to do with this uh, show today, but I've been reading up on something they call a Kegra exercise. Anybody know anything about that? Well, that's a pelvic exercise. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were saying that's a pelvic exercise. Yes, ma'am. I got so, what they what it is. I got the enlarged prostate, and I read a pamphlet on it. Yeah. And it said something about the Kegel exercise. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I didn't, what it was, I was at the doctor, and I didn't read it until I got home. Hmm. Well, that, uh, 
I'll let Dr. Hurt comment, but when we think of Kegel exercises, we're thinking of in, Kegel, in, okay. yeah, in, uh, increasing the stability and the strength of the the uh, pelvic muscles. Yeah, the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good thing. Pelvic maybe, floor. <laughs> maybe the extent of my knowledge of, of yeah. those. But yeah, it's just strengthening up the, mm-hmm. the muscles in your pelvis. Never a bad thing to do. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for calling, and we appreciate you holding. Good morning, Peter. In Madison. Hey, Peter. Uh, doctor, I had a microdiscectomy mm-hmm. or herniated disc about six weeks ago. Yeah. And I'm still having an awful lot of sciatica pain. What What would be the prognosis of that finally going away? Yeah, so har- hard to know because uh, I wasn't the one who did your surgery, but it's not abnormal to continue to have some pain in sciatica post-op. So uh-huh. it doesn't mean that the surgery went wrong or that there's a problem uh, you, you know, with surgery. Anytime there's a cut, even if it's a micro kind of small cut, you're going to have inflammation and swelling. And even inflammation and swelling around a nerve can cause pain that shoots down your leg. You know, and then secondarily, if you had if you had a big disc that was pushing on that nerve for an extended period of time, sometimes it takes a while for that to heal up once you get the pressure off of it. So six weeks out is a pretty, pretty short time, even though it probably feels like it's been forever for you. Um, but yeah, so even with these small back surgeries, you know, it can be a good four to six month or even longer recovery. So you're kind of in the early stages of it just because you're still having pain. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose hope yet. I would still be very hopeful that you would get significantly better. Okay. Well, I, I pre- sure appreciate your information. Absolutely. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you yeah, for thanks, calling. Peter. Thank you for calling. Well, so I, uh, just want to throw in something really, really quick because yeah. I know Sam's saying we got to close it up here. So sometimes when when um, I think it was a caller before mentioned uh, or with the foot that like you have, may have to some plates, some screws, mm-hmm. and things like that. So when you have those kinds of things in you, yep. Uh, do they stay forever or do they have to be removed? So it depends, right? It depends on the symptom, whether they're symptomatic or not. And it also depends on uh, whether them being there is going to cause a problem. So if you, with hardware in kids is oftentimes removed uh, in adults, we oftentimes leave it. If it's not bothering you, if it's not right up underneath the skin, uh, it's not rubbing or causing pain or causing problems, we oftentimes just leave it. Uh, it is an extra strength to the bone having oh, yeah, a, something that metal wonderful. that's there right but uh <laughs> but when you take it out there are holes you leave holes and oh, holes in the bone or if you fall or, or have another injury that's where the bone's going to break so it, it produces what's called a stress riser or an area of weakness in the bone if you take take them out so we don't like taking out hardware if we if we don't have to but sometimes it's needed sometimes it's symptomatic and getting it out makes you feel better well that is great news i'll take it i'll take that to account personally so thank you dr hurt for Absolutely. joining us today and tyler well, we've me. had some great discussions and uh please for our listeners please look forward to joining us next week we're going to be talking about addiction but not addiction from what we typically think about so addiction maybe to healthy behavior so i'm going to want to hear your stories and the things that you are addicted to you know i'm addicted to chocolate but let's be thinking about that and get ready for your calls next week we've had fun today and look forward to joining you again next week southern remedy healthy fits a production of mississippi public broadcasting think radio funded in part from a grant from the university of mississippi medical center and the generous support for the members of the foundation for public broadcasting in mississippi today's show was engineered by sam wells please join us next monday at 11 and stay tuned npr's here and now is next on MPB Think Radio.
This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the My Blue mobile app. More at bcbsms.com. Well, as expected, we've got some thunderstorm activity popping up on radar between Clarksdale and around the Greenville and Greenwood area. I think that will continue as we go through this afternoon, and uh, temperatures are probably... 